Today on the podcast, we're having a conversation about job crafting. Jim Collison is my guest on the show, and he described it as taking what you do best, all those skills and talents and experiences, and pointing them to the unique problems in an organization that need to be solved. Is this the way forward for the emerging workforce? I give him a call to discuss. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. My name's Shane Hatton. I'm a speaker, author, and mentor from Melbourne, Australia, and I'm passionate about all things leadership and communication. I realized recently that I know some really clever people in my network, and I thought it would be a fun idea to be able to take some of their cleverness and share it with the rest of the world. Now, through the wonders of technology, I'm broadcasting my phone calls with clever people just for you. And really, the premise is quite simple. I just want to be able to ask great questions of talented people to help us all become more effective leaders. Joining me on the phone is Jim Collison. Jim is the Director of Talent Acquisition at Gallup. It's a highly respected research company that you may know for a variety of reasons, including Clifton Strengths, the Q12 Engagement Survey, amongst a host of other things. Jim also does an incredible job as the Clifton Strengths Community Manager, connecting over 10,000 coaches around the globe. He has a voice that's quite recognizable in the Gallup community for a very good reason that you're about to learn very soon. Hey, Jim, welcome to Phone Calls with Clever People. Thanks, Shane. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. People might have um, heard your voice in a number of different contexts in their own podcast. I know a lot of people who listen to this will have potentially going, I I know that voice. It sounds familiar. And it's really nice to put you on the other end of an interview this time. Yeah, I don't don't get interviewed much. So it's always kind of nice. Or I don't know. I really like interviewing people. So it's (laughs) funny you say that. I was just talking with an employee at Gallup that I had never met before. And I said, have we met? And she started talking. And then, so I started introducing myself. She said, wait a minute, I've heard your voice before. (laughs) And she had listened to Theme Thursday. And so uh, she recognized the voice before she recognized the face. Thank goodness. And uh, so, yeah, every once in a while that happens. I was on a plane headed back to Omaha from Chicago and and a coach or someone stood up in the plane and shouted my name held up her phone and said, I'm listening to you right now. And so really weird. I mean, I always say I'm Gallup famous because nobody outside the Gallup world knows who I am. But it, it's always kind of fun when you run into folks and they know you, right? It makes you feel important. All right. So for people who don't know you, let's do some fast facts to get to know you. Um, so I asked people three questions, which is where were you born? What was your first job? And then what do you do now? I love those questions. So San Jose, California, I'm a California kid growing up eating, we'd say computer chips for breakfast. So super, <laughs> super cool to grow up in the in the Bay Area. Uh, my first job was Taco Bell, which I got fired from because I was too young. And then uh, what I currently do is I'm, I'm kind of an influencer, which is kind of crazy. I might be the world's oldest millennial. I'm a YouTuber. <laughs> I'm a podcaster. I do a lot of media. Uh, I had done some recruiting for Gallup as well. So that's really my love. I love to recruit. I love to influence. And so people may have um, heard about Gallup. I think people who would typically listen to this podcast would be very familiar in terms of Gallup as an organization. Um, maybe they know about it through the Q12. Maybe they know strengths. You know, maybe they just had read articles because it's such a great research company. Um, but I mean, more big picture for those who maybe don't know what Gallup is, um, maybe give us the quick headlines around who, who, who is Gallup. 
Yeah, you actually did a nice job of describing us. Uh, polling is the other thing people know us for. Uh, George Galt kind of st- was the was kind of the father of modern polling. Uh, started back in the 1930s, and so we're really kind of known for that. But we're really an analytics and advice company, which is more than just taking just doing polls. But we try to turn those polls into smart things that help people either be more productive or enjoy their job better or be uh, you know figure out themselves more. Right. So you mentioned our Q12 product. Uh, think about employee engagement. We have a, the Clifton Strengths tool, which helps individuals kind of discover what they're best at and some of these character and some of these talent traits uh, that we would say uh, that they're good at. And then we give that advice to companies and individuals to just help them hopefully have a happier, you know, kind of a happier life. One of the areas we're, we're diving back into is this idea of well-being and not that I, well-being is on anybody's radar. <laughs> At the moment, <laughs> it's on everybody's radar, right? So we, we literally did well-being on the podcast last week. So <laughs> yeah, well, no, right on. I think everybody's talking about it, right? We have yeah. a new book coming out around that. So I think there's going to be a lot of well-being chat. You know, we did a whole series on resiliency last year in Called the Coach. And so I think that's just going to be a real hot topic for the next couple of years. Yeah. And you mentioned called a coach and, and we, we joked at the start of the podcast that you may, um, you know, people may recognize your voice. Where, where would they, if they're going, okay, where do I recognize this voice from? Where, where would they typically have heard you before? Yeah. Well, one of maybe three places called the coach is our flagship uh, kind of podcast for coaches, right? We have these 10,000 certified Clifton strengths coaches around the world. And we really kind of created that podcast more to be a communications channel to them. I wanted to if we were going to have coaches around the world, I wanted to have a way to keep them up to date and keep them trained and keep them communicated with. And podcasting was just starting to come out about 2010. Some people would argue with me, this podcast is as old as 2005, but okay. So we were, we were kind of early to it. Um, the, the most popular podcast, though, a lot of folks have heard us on or heard me on and my co-host, Michael Librant is on theme Thursday. And that's just a really that is a really popular. We just crossed over a million downloads to that podcast. So that's Incredible. super exciting to see that. Um, and then I have this small little tech podcast called uh, Home Gadget Geeks that I kind of do outside of Gallup. And so it's a really fun project where I just basically talk about whatever I want. I interview really interesting tech people and just goof around. And it's a good time to do that. So you, you might have heard me on one of those. Yeah, I love that you mentioned that because we were chatting before the, the podcast kicked off about our mutual love of tech and gadgets and making our home space set up really well. Um, but obviously, we're, we're going to have a conversation today, I mean, about a whole, whole range of things. But I feel like in many ways, you sit really nicely at the intersection of, of technology and using technology to engage people and build communities. And you mentioned, uh, you know, 10,000 Gallup Strengths coaches around the world, which is quite huge in terms of community. Um, and you described yourself as an influencer. Uh, I mean, why, why influencer? Why did you choose that word? Like, was there something specific behind that? Yeah, I think the YouTubers have been using that term for a while now. <laughs> um, we actually, in the Clifton Strengths world, we have these four domains, and one of is one of them is the influencing domain. And actually, four of my top five in that system are in that domain. So as I began to kind of think about this job, by the way, I didn't think this would become a job. Like when we just, when we started the podcast called The Coach, I kind of just saw a need in the organization like, hey, we really need a tool we can help people understand what we're doing here and they'll do some promotion for us and help keep people in line. I had no idea I'd create a podcast that'd have a million downloads. Like I, I always thought it was possible, but I never thought it would happen. And so like, I think for a lot of people, those kinds of things that it just, it happened to me, a whole bunch of hard work and a whole bunch of preparation, 
led to some success, right? You know, I just yeah. kept working. I was too dumb to, to say no or to stop. Um, and so this idea of influencing is one of just, of just moving people gently along in the day to day. I listened to a whole bunch of podcasts and I knew the effect they'd have on me, uh, on keeping me, especially for the, for quite a few years, I was a Microsoft MVP for them on the tech side. And so they created some stuff like that. And I just thought, you know, this could be really, really helpful. Um, I had done a whole bunch of podcasts before where I was guests and hosts on stuff. And I just thought it could work and it actually has, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, it sure has. And I know there's, uh, you know, it's one of the podcasts that I direct people to when I'm doing coaching around strengths and they go, I just want to learn. I want to kind of soak in some of these conversations and yeah. I go, okay, well, let me point you in this direction to be able to learn more and invest in that a little bit more. Um, I think one of the things that you've been in a really fortunate place um, to be in is being able to sit on the other side of the interviewing uh, process and be able to actually ask questions. Um, you, you mentioned me before you've done, you know, 80 episodes or something like that. Was that just this that's year? Just like called or? the coach. That's just in 2020. So, that's incredible. Like, that's that's we probably did another 40, the 42, 44 of theme Thursday last year. And so, yeah, you know, a hundred, that's two a week. Is kind That's of what that the, works out. I mean, we're in March. Like, it's not like this is like it's far into the year. Yeah. Yeah. We're already off to a fast start for 2021. I think I told myself I wasn't going to do that many this year. But <laughs> now the organization's coming to me. They're like, hey, can we do like that's what kind of happens, right? Success kind of you, you start having this. And now people are coming to me and they're saying, hey, can we do this kind of thing? W what would we do here? And so even though I've tried to pull back a little bit for 2020, 2021, I think I'll probably do as many uh, by the end he, of the year. People will revolt if you don't, Jim. People people are looking <laughs> to hear your voice. They're waiting oh, for it. If the podcast doesn't drop, they will revolt. Um, but being on that side of the conversation, hearing people talk about, I mean, so many different topics, um, what are the big themes that you're seeing stand out? Like, what are you noticing? What are you observing from these conversations that you're having? Yeah, we alluded to it a little bit earlier, right? I mean, as we think about our way into recovery, so it's March 2021, as we're recording this, you know, some folks may be listening to this later. We are, everybody's looking ahead to recovery, but they're also realizing kind of the damage that a year of this has done. Uh, you know, uh, say PTSD or whatever you want to say to it. People have been unlocked down various versions of that around the world. And, and then I think, and I've, I coined this phrase uh, early or late last year as I started noticing we are having a, a, an unusual amount of attrition in our coaching community. We're just losing a ton of coaches. And I started digging into it. We weren't losing them because they were walking away. We were losing them because we'd lost their email address because they moved. And <laughs> 2020 was a year of a gigantic, what I'm calling the great migration. Everybody moved. They moved locations. They changed jobs. They're doing things differently. They've, they, they were moved, they were forced out of a job or they voluntarily changed jobs. They changed, a lot of them changed locations. Like it's been incredible here in the United States. We've seen folks move from out of the cities. Now I think they're going to move back in, but for now, everybody's kind of migrated out of the cities. So there's been this, my, this great migration. I think that's caused a lot of people to reconsider and rethink like, what do I really need? Right. So I'm noticing this big, oh, this big trend in self-sufficiency. Like, can I grow my own food? Can I, you know, can I farm my own meat? Can I build my own house? Right. That is at a very, at a very basic level. That is, it, that is leading, it's kind of starting to filter up into this idea of self-sufficiency. So 
I think we're going to see some of that, or I think we're going to see a big trend in people saying, how do I make sure I don't have to rely on anybody else for this? I have no idea that's what that's going to do to the job market. Like, I think that's going to have some effects on what people expect from jobs, what they ask from jobs. What does that mean? I, I, I don't know. The other side of that's well-being, right? We, we have damaged people and we've got to figure out kind of like, how do we get them back in the, the workforce? How do we get them comfortable back in the office? Do we come back to offices? Like, I mean, there's so many questions, so many questions that have to be answered. So I think the trends are those. We just did a podcast today about this whole idea of remote workers and what does that mean? And are they coming back? And what do the Gallup numbers say about that? And overwhelmingly, you know, we found people like they have liked this trend of working from home. What will that mean if employers start mandating they come back? Will that lead to the second great migration of people moving saying, well, okay, I'll find a job that'll let me do these kinds of things. So, man, we, we've got a ton of questions that are out there. And, and I think we're just going to have to live through it to figure out what happens. I don't predict anything. We'll just have to see <laughs> Coming, coming from someone who's in a research-based company. Yeah. I learned long ago, don't predict things. Just, just say what it is and then say what could be, right? But, but I think yeah. we've, got, I've got, we've got a road ahead of us for sure. I mean, this whole idea of um, the changing demands of the workforce is something that Gallup's quite big on in terms of, I, I mean, in the, it's the manager book, talks a lot about those changing demands. Um, do you think in some ways this last 12 months has adjusted those or has it amplified those? Is it relatively similar? Are we seeing new things? Because I mean, what you touched on there is a little bit about people uh, aren't coming to work anymore because it's just about fulfilling that role. And that's that whole paycheck to purpose kind of aspect. Yeah. Yeah. How does this more, is this more fulfilling for me? Do you think that's just being amplified by the last 12 months or what are you, what's your thoughts? That's a, gr- that's a great question. We could probably spend a whole hour just talking about that. <laughs> uh, in the book, we talk about the shift, what, it kind of the, what I, what I would kind of coin the millennial shift, right? As we think about new expectations in the workplace, not, not just a position, but a purpose, right? Not just a paycheck, you know, but they're, they're really looking for purpose, right? And so um, I think this um, scraped the paint off some of the, you know, some of the job for some people. And they started seeing what was underneath and kind of went, hmm, I don't know, (laughs) you know, and it's causing, I think some of them have already left. Like they were like, hey, this Mm. is, this is a great opportunity. Maybe they had some savings, some things they could do. And they were just like, you know, I'm, or they just took a leap you know, uh, and said, yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different. One of the things I think it really has done is expose the gig economy. So we have, we have, um, uh, held up the gig economy as being, you know, the, when people say examples, it's the Amazon of this or the Uber of that, or the Netflix of this. Right. And, and I think those were shining examples. I think we're seeing now though, the, the, that the, the under, the undercurrent has really, you know, I think when, when we saw Google unionize, when we saw all the turmoil that's going on in Amazon, when we see what's kind of happened with Uber, uh, now these are all U.S. examples in a lot of way, in a lot of ways. But the promise of the gig economy did not lead to, in a lot of cases, well-paying, secure jobs. They were low-paying, very difficult jobs for a lot of people. And so I think the shines come off a little bit on the gig economy, uh, at least again, here in the U S and people are kind of going, you know, I don't know if I want to do that. I used to think that was the dream and now they've kind of seen what it is, what it is. So I think there's a little discontentment as well. 
you know, at the same time, corporate America is really kind of trying to figure out, do we bring people back? Do we put them in offices? What do we do with all this real estate that we have <laughs> and have invested in, right? Um, I think the good news is in a lot of cases, we have the time to figure it out. Like it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be, this isn't a crisis. We don't have to do that. I think if organizations can really ask their employees, this is why employee engagement is so important. How are you feeling today? What are we doing? Where are you at with this? I think it'd be really important for organizations to ask right now, mm -hmm. uh, people like, okay, where are you at from an engagement standpoint? And then begin to adapt and adjust. I don't think it's the same place for everywhere. So I think we kind of need to start regionalizing that. What are the expectations of that? We were talking in pre-show, you know, your version of lockdown, it was much more severe, you know, Melbourne, Australia, much more severe than Omaha, Nebraska. Let's just be really, really clear. So what does that mean for you? Like, how are the folks in your location going to respond versus what we have, what, what's going on here locally in Omaha, Nebraska, if we tried to apply the same thing or we tried to manage the same way, I don't know if we get, if we get good results. So I think we have to kind of look at our own individual situations and be like, okay, what are we, where are we at and what do we need to do? So managers are going to need to step up during this time for sure. I love the metaphor that you've used of, of the, the, the paint has almost been scratched off and we're starting to see the reality of the jobs that we're in. I'm not sure what your thoughts are on this, but I think at the moment, in definitely within Australia, there's a very um, unsecure job market. So in terms of like to leave your role right now would seem a little bit crazy uh, to try and find another role. And so people may be sticking around in a role that they, they may not necessarily love because there's just so much uncertainty around if I leave, then I may not be able to find another job. And you touched on the gig economy as well, which is what I'm looking for is to find a role that's fulfilling to all the kind of criteria that I have for myself that I'm not getting in my current role. So the gig economy seems really um, attractive because we can, in one way, create the kind of role that we want. But is it possible to create that kind of role within the organization that we're a part of? Yeah, I think, well, I hope so, because I did. <laughs> like, you know, that's what I did at Gallup. This podcasting media thing didn't exist. And, and we've actually developed, you know, teams have developed around it in some ways. We, when I first started doing this, we didn't have a very strong uh, comms and marketing team. And that over the last five or six years has changed. And now I've got great partners in that area there. It's amazing because for a long time I was doing this by myself and I'm not the greatest marketer in the world. <laughs> I definitely needed some help. And so they've hired some great folks to kind of come alongside, help me in that area. Not just me, some other things that we're doing as well. But um, it, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a better entrepreneur inside an organization and intrapreneur, I think is, is kind of what we call it, um, in creating new things that didn't exist before. But that's not a slam dunk. Like you, you can't just say one day, you can't wake up, just like you can't wake up someday and say, I'm going to start a small business and it's going to be successful. <laughs> it's a lot yeah. of work and it's a lot of risk. I think in this podcast journey that really for me started in 2012, let's say, it's probably the very first time I thought about this actually being a reality. I could probably point to two or three times when my job was on the line. Like nobody would have said that, but if I would have failed, they probably would have been like, yeah, it's time to do something different, right? <laughs> um, you have to have, I, th I think if you're going to job craft, you have to be willing to take on that kind of risk. I think where a lot of folks get disenchanted with it is they want what they want, but they don't want to take any risks. 
for it. They're like, no, I'd really like to try something new and I want a safety net. And you kind of, for the big rewards, sometimes you have to make the big risks. And so for, for folks in that position, whether it's being a traditional entrepreneur starting a new, by the way, we're going to need tons of entrepreneurs in the next 10 years to recover economies, right? We know from our Gallup data that the, the, the small business is the engine that really drives good jobs into an economy. And so we're going to need some of that. And it's not going to look, it can't look like the gig economy. We have to have jobs where people take care of people. Like, yeah. it, and that's not necessarily happening in the gig economy. And listen, I don't want to paint a broad stroke because it's not all that way, but just some of those examples are. And then, um, so we, we, it's not that job crafting is not always a guarantee, right? It's it, just because I want it doesn't mean it's going to happen. I had to work hard. I put a lot of hours in, you know, mm-hmm. in the, in the role. I'm a salaried employee and it was a choice I made, you know, it's like, I'm going to work extra to make, you know, you don't make 125 of those things in a year and not put some extra time in yeah. and a lot of extra time. So yeah, I guess that's, it's a little romantic, that's, you know, people talk about job crafting. It's a <laughs> Good little, choice of foot. You start seeing fairy dust and rainbows and you're like, oh, how great would that be? It's a lot of work and, uh, and no guarantees. So you've used the word a couple of times, which I love. And I've heard you talk about this in, in the Call to Coach podcast, um, I believe, which is this idea of job crafting. For people who are, who are hearing that and going, okay, give me a little bit more detail of what that actually looks like. What is job crafting? Yeah, I would say it's really this idea of, of taking what you're best at, those skills and talents and experiences that I've had, and then pointing them to unique problems in an organization that need to be solved where those skills, talents, experiences <laughs> match what needs to be done in the organization. And then, and then doing it and, and start moving in that direction. We knew, you know, I was, I, I was at a, uh, I was at a, a year end awards ceremony for Gallup in 2012, when one of our market guys said, we're going to do this coaching thing and we're going to do a million coaches around the world. And, and as he was presenting, I was like, I have the solution for that. And that was a little, that was a little arrogant to be honest. Like, <laughs> oh, I've got the solution, but I did. Right. And I went to, I went to my boss and, um, at the time, um, and said to her, Hey, if we ever do this, I want to be in the middle of it. And so I didn't hear anything and I didn't hear anything and I didn't hear anything. And then I found out three months later, they were doing it without me. And I was like, Hey, this is one of those moments, by the way. Hey, I wish you could see the video on this. My (laughs) fist is raised in the air in defiance. And I, I called up the person who was doing the call and I said, Hey, I really wanted to be a part of this. And he's like, well, I can't get you in now, but come to our after action. And so they did this call. They did a, they did a, like a zoom call, but it was more, it was a telephone you dialed in. So it was just <laughs> audio on a really bad phone line. And I said, I can make it better and I can add, I can add video to it and we can do this on YouTube and millions can watch it. And they're like, okay, smart guy. We'll give you a shot at it. Right. <laughs> so one, I stood up where I probably could have gotten knocked down. And then two, I had to prove we could actually do this. So they gave me three weeks to pull it all together. And there we're watching like, okay, can he actually pull it off? Right. And I remember when, after we did the very first one and they were like, we're going to do this for a long time. Like, this is really cool. There's no better feeling than that, but those, both those in those situations, it could have gone wrong in it, Mm. but I pointed and I was good. I was already doing podcasting. Right. So I pointed something I was already good at that didn't exist in the corporation yet at a problem. 
that needed to be mm. solved. I think that's kind of job crafting. I love that, that whole concept, because a lot of people, actually, I shouldn't say that, it's getting broad stroke, right. but I know people that I've spoken to who say, I am so good at this. These are my strengths. My business, my organization, my leader is not recognizing my strengths. Yeah. And so my response, I'm going to go start a business. I'm going to go contract myself to other businesses to help them do this, rather than identifying what are the problems in our business that... I could solve using my strengths right. and how might I approach that? But again, you, you touched on this before. That comes with huge risk, right? The it same does. way it would is if you started your own business. It does. And um, the, it does. No, and to the flip side of this, like I have, I think I've got one of the world's best managers right now who lets me continue to do this and gives me some leash to try some things new and, and, and checks in with me all the time and make sure things are fine and I've got what I need. But, but he understands the risk associated with this. And he, he also understands the, the, the desire that I have. And so he gives me enough leash to go out and do some things. Hasn't, listen, doesn't let me run, just doesn't let me run ramshot over everything. Like he still, he still checks me like this, like, dude, don't do that. Like I get that from time to time. Like, uh, I didn't like when we did that. Well, okay. I can, that's, that's helpful to me. Like I still take direction. But I have a manager who understands of letting me go like, hey, he's got some talent to do this. We're going to we're going to trust him until he till we can't and we're going to let him run and see how, how far this thing goes. So it's not only the beginning stage of it that's important, but the continued maintenance of it through a really good manager that little that still continues um, to allow me to do that, I think is super important as well. So if I'm, I'm hearing this kind of from what you're saying, from two perspectives, from being an employee in a business and a manager within a business that's looking to craft the role or the, the job that they feel like is their best contribution into an organization. If you're an employee, recognize that that's going to come with huge risk uh, and you need to be willing to own that risk that it could fail and it could come back and reflect poorly on you. Also about identifying what is it that you naturally do best and how could you point that at some of your organization's problems um, to help the collective solve it. From the manager's perspective, I'm hearing you talk a little bit about giving them your employees space to be able to try things. But let's talk a little bit more from the manager's perspective. How do you, I guess there's a, a huge element of trust in this, um, become more trusting of your team. How do you help your team craft their role? Um, that can be a little bit daunting when we're used to position descriptions and KPIs and yeah. Well, yeah. And we've, I mean, if I think about the team that I'm a part of and I'm really an anomaly, so like I don't have team, I mean, I have a small team around me that helps do some of the things, but we wouldn't say we're a team, so to speak. I mean, if that, if that makes any sense, um, our learning team. So the folks that go out and teach these people how to coach, they, uh, all of a sudden, you know, a year ago, the breaks were put on to in-person training and we didn't have a virtual option. <laughs> It was, I mean, the, the, we slammed on the brakes and everybody looked at each other and it was like, well, what are we going to do next? And uh, uh, a good friend of mine, Micah, who's on, on Theme Thursday with me, really pivoted with the leadership of those teams to start putting together what could we do virtually. And I remember having a meeting with her and I said, Micah, we've actually done this already. A lot of that work we did, we've proven out through Called the Coach, through the way we do this. If we have a ton of material out there pull what we've already done and then take what we've learned and add to it. And that team then took that idea and ran with it. And within two weeks, they had a brand new course kind of put together, same material, taught differently on Zoom, that out of the gate actually tested better 
from, from our survey stuff that we get back, you know, and when you finish tested better than our in-person classes had in our in-person classes were dynamite. So, you know, I think about that, that management team at Gallup that made that decision to pivot and be like, one, we have to do this. And then two, we're going to trust some of our best in this, in in this area and say, okay, we're going to go with what you say. And that's what we did. And listen, you can, we've adapted as we move. There's some things we didn't do a hundred percent right out of the gate, right? You kind of adapt as you go. But I, I think that's a huge, um, you know, some huge kudos need to go out to both the subject matter experts, our trainers, our leaders, our organizers, and our management team who was able to make that switch and do something completely different re- responding to the market. We didn't have to go outsource. We didn't have to go to outsource it. We were able to do it completely with the resources we had in-house to get it done. What do you reckon the value is in this? If we're able to create roles that are more crafted for yeah. our people around their strengths, like what does this benefit to an organization? What does this benefit to a leadership team? Where's the value in all of this? Well, I've heard it said uh, and that it costs 1.5 times the annual salary of a person who leaves to replace them. And so uh, one, when you job craft internally, you save, you save someone who would go, who would normally go somewhere else and you don't have to replace them. Right. And so now you might have to replace what they were doing because they may be doing something different, but they're still there. They're there to kind of help and lead and bring the next person along, however that works, right? I think that's the that's the dream, right? As it happens that way. It doesn't happen every way, uh, in every time that way, but I think that's kind of the dream. I think you get value and productivity. And I think you get it, you know, if we, if we, you know, we believe if we're working within those areas of our these talent themes, right? These strengths. We're more productive, right? In these areas of thought, feelings, and behaviors, right? The things that we naturally do better than than things that we don't. If we're in that, we're just more productive. We're also more engaged. And we know from our numbers that when we're more engaged, we there's things like we're we're not sick as often, right? Um, to to be kind of brash, we don't steal as much from the company, <laughs> right? That happens, right? Employees who are engaged don't steal as much. In some organizations, theft is a gigantic problem. The the third one is we're safer. Like we don't have as many accidents. Now at Gallup, we don't have a lot of accidents, but there are places that do. An accident's very expensive, right? When we think about it's bad for the person who had it, it's bad for the organization that's around it, it causes issues with that. So if you want to work at, you know, real world, what does this really change from a real world perspective? All three of those things affect the bottom line of an organization. And so if you can, and that's just three of a few, like absenteeism, right? Uh, Employees driving other employees out. (laughs) So it's just not 1.5, but it may be three times if that one employee drives another employee out, right? So um, yeah, in real world costs, if you can save someone and redeploy them and do some job crafting. I, man, I think that can, man, I should send somebody uh, a request for a check. Like I say, the company <laughs> a lot of money, right? No, yeah, but yeah, I think it can be very valuable. And there's real practical, tangible value that comes from helping people be at their best. And this is the conversation. I mean, as a, as a strengths coach myself, I'm constantly having conversations with people and asking the question, what does it look like when you're at your best? And the way they show up into an environment, the way they engage in an environment completely changes when they feel like they're at their best. Um, and that obviously impacts right across the organization. The, the ripple effect gets felt 
um, throughout the organization. And then it shows up on the bottom line as well. Shane, let me ask you a question. Cause since you do some coaching, <laughs> when, when, when you've helped somebody discover their best and they recognize it, what, what do you, what differences do you see in them? I mean, what are the clues that you see to people knowing we've hit, like we've hit this? Are there some signs that you notice or some things you notice that like when they've hit that? The thing that I go after as a coach was the experience that I had um, maybe eight years ago when I did my strengths for the first time. And the experience that I had was for the first time, I felt like I had a language to talk about what I do well. And for someone who doesn't naturally articulate exactly what it is that I do well and find it easy to kind of communicate that, this gave me something that I could use that could articulate that for me. And so for me, that had this sense of it it lit me up, so to speak. I went, oh, okay, this is what I do. And so now I start to see those clues and there's a distinct moment. It might be when someone's reading their personal insight guide and it's like they have that it's me moment and you can almost see it in their eyes. They light up, they laugh. You can see them. They're generally on, on Zoom screens at the moment and they're reading their insight report and you can see them all laughing on mute across the screens. And they're laughing because for the first time they've got language to talk about what they think is normal for everybody and they realize it's very unique to who they are. So those are some of the big things that I look for. Um, and then for, be, for people to be able to share that and they talk about that. And, and I think there's a second big shift that I find is number one, they can talk about it. And the second thing is, is when they start to own it and their language starts to, to, to change and they say, oh, my relator shows up like this. And that's that sense of ownership for it. Um, and then, yeah, that's for me is a, is a huge um, uh, win. Yeah, you. I think you hit on it. That's in their eyes. I. This is what I watch for. Like it's hard to it's hard to fake the the genuine emotions with your eyes. Yeah. And so you see, you just see people light up. They get animated. They get excited. Um. Uh, we see it. Uh, we see it when when we've put folks in roles that that are particularly they're doing particularly well in. They get a lot of recognition from one. Right. We see tons of recognition from their peers. That's a another good. Like you can't fake that. That's, you know, we have mm. this question on our Q12. Have I received praise and recognition in the last seven days? You can't fake that. You can't, a team won't fake it. <laughs> you, if you're getting recognition and genuine recognition, you're either getting it or you're not. They also want to work more. Like they want to be, they, they, because they're having a good time. You know, they're like, oh man, this is fun. So um, uh, all those things, when, when we look at them, I think there's actually some physical reactions too when people, find that moment or in the, in a job situation when they're in flow, right. When they Mm. just, all of a sudden it's working and everything they do, they do turns to gold and you're just like, okay, I think we found, I think we found the spot, you know? And, and seeing those people show up into an organization and have those kind of responses and experiences for me just sells the entire idea of job crafting, which is around how do we help our team show up in that place where they light up and you can see it in their eyes when they show up to work. And I've, I've heard you talk about on a couple of podcasts, your experience at Gallup. And I feel like you t- you touched on it is this evolving role that's becoming more and more in tune with who you are and what you do. And for you, you it, it, it clearly lights you up in the work that you get to do. Yeah. Um, and obviously that's a process over time, right? And it's not something we're going to just all of a sudden wake up tomorrow and go, now everyone in our organization has the role that they want exactly yeah. the way that they want to do it, right? So it's a process. Yeah. It doesn't have a future either. So like, this is the scary part is like, well, where does this go? (laughs) You know, there's no written, there's no rules on this thing. What do we do? Is it going to last for 10 years? Is it going to be five? At some point, is somebody going to come along and go, okay, enough, Collison, we've done, 
okay, you've <laughs> talked enough, right? So it, it comes with a little uncertainty too. And, and I think the people around me would say, are you crazy? You do this as long as you possibly can. And as long as people listen uh, and don't screw it up, that's usually the advice people and don't, you know, at the end and don't screw it up. So, but there's no one, there's no certainty. There's no rule book there. There's no, I, there's no position. There's no senior position for me to go into. Like it, my position did exist. So, you know, it's not like I'm moving. I think this is another thing we have to kind of get, if we're going to job craft, another thing we have to get used to. There's no climbing the ladder. It, the ladder mm. doesn't exist. It's not a ladder. Stop, stop thinking about that. Right. Um, it, it's, it's more of a, it's more of about building out, building your influence out, right. Going outwards with it, not going up, but out mm. Shane, one of the things that I've learned in this, and I think that's really, really important. My job got better when I made other people's jobs better. When I made other people, big deals, when I made other people feel important, when I realized my role was about making other people feel important, not me. Now that comes whipping back to you when you do something nice for somebody that comes back, right? That's good karma that comes back. When I realized that it was, it was game over for what I was doing. Like I was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> this is really about other people. I actually think most of our jobs are that way, to be honest, if we really kind of looked out and said, man, if it's just my job to help everybody else, no, one, no one says no to that. No one goes, no, that- <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop helping me. Stop helping me do my job. Well, maybe some jobs are that way, but I can't think of too many. Right. So that was a big shift for me too. in realizing I'm really here to serve people and just to make their life and jobs as great as they possibly can be. When you start doing that, man, good, good things start happening. So if that doesn't perfectly summarize the whole intent and role of leadership, then I don't know what else does is how do I best serve those around me? Um, and I like that you touch on the idea of we don't, we don't go trying to climb a ladder and we don't try and go look somewhere else for something when we feel like we're fulfilled in what we're doing. And this whole idea of job, job crafting and creating a space where a person gets to do what they do best every day, uh, for me, just speaks volumes to the future of work and, and how we're going to create an environment with the attracts people and retains people, especially when at the moment um, they may not be leaving, but if the future doesn't change and things become a little less uncertain about changing jobs, then we can, we could potentially lose people really quickly. Yeah. And Shane, I think one more thing on that. I think job crafting is not for everybody that we have a whole group of people who just really want structure in their job. They kind of want to be led. They, they don't really want to come in. Like their job is not everything to them. They, they're coming for a purpose. And then they want to get paid and then they want to do their family thing or wh- whatever, right? There's nothing wrong with that, right? There's, there's, th- so for some of those individuals, I would hate to see just much like we thought for a while, every job needed to turn into a gig economy job. And that's just, not, that's just not true. I, at least I don't think so. Um, not everybody needs to be job crafting, but there's, there's, and it doesn't work. It's not like we should all, all of a sudden start doing our, there's, there may not be those needs out there. Um, so I don't want to give the impression like, Oh, you know, the new economy jobs are all going to be job crafting. I think there's very specific circumstances where those things were a lot of hard work, a lot of talent, a lot of experiences meet opportunity. Some people call that luck, right? But you have to have all those things in place before those can happen. And I was fortunate to, I think, be one of those. Yeah. It may not be for everybody, but at least it's worthwhile asking the question. For sure. Yeah, for sure. 
Jim, I've, I've absolutely valued this conversation. I feel like there's so much practical insight in here as well as some things that maybe potentially will stretch and enlarge people's thinking in a whole lot of different ways. Um, and just want to say thank you so much for your time. I know it's it's nighttime there and, and you're giving up some, some of your time to be part of the podcast. I just really appreciated it. Um, I want to give obviously a shout out for people who want to hear more of your voice, which they absolutely should, and a whole, whole lot of really clever people. Um, Gallup Theme Thursday, Gallup Co- Called to Coach. Um, and of course, there's also your your podcast as well. Um, yeah, but I would love they, to direct people to. If they want to find those, easiest way to do it, just cliftonstrengths.com. We'll take you right to, it'll drop you right in. There's a resources tab. We have so much. Sometimes, you know, we're kind of like a local library that we just have <laughs> so many things you got to go to the card catalog. So that's not even a real thing anymore, right? Libraries don't have card catalog. I don't even know. It's been so long since I've been a place where people are. <laughs> Um, but, the, but, uh, all those resources are there. So cliftonstrengths.com. And uh, if you have any questions, you can always, it's hard not to find me in the Clifton Strength circles. Uh, unfortunately I've put myself out there everywhere. I don't sleep very much. And so, um, <laughs> it's a great opportunity. I, Hey, I figure I found that job that I really like doing. Why would I waste a whole bunch of time trying to do things that I don't? So it's been a good, it's been a good run and we'll just keep doing it until, until they say stop. Perfect way to end the conversation. Thanks so much, Jim. You bet. Thanks for having me. That's it for another week of phone calls with clever people. Thank you so much for taking the time to invest in you by checking out the podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the episodes as they're released. And of course, I'd love to hear how this has added value for you in the reviews. Have a fantastic week.